What's up, everybody? You are listening to Suds Buds, the show where good buds talk good suds with the fine workers of the craft beer industry or just the beer industry in general. Uh, I'm your host, Eric Anderson, and by my side, as always, my two amigos, Mr. Salsa Dave, producer and engineer of the show, and my fantastic co-host, Mr. Dustin Stelton. What's happening, buddy? How are we doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It was a long day. Got a lot of hard work in. I'm excited to finally sit down and have a good conversation with a couple buddies. Nice. Yeah. I've been looking forward to this all day, every Tuesday. That's great, man. I, I couldn't agree more. It's, uh, it's a little early week highlight for me. Definitely. It kind of gets, uh, gets you in the mood for the rest of the, rest of the week. You know, It just sets the tone. Yeah, absolutely. Get to talk to you. Get to talk to uh, old friends, new friends, total strangers. Um, today, we got a really fun episode lined up. Got a, an old friend today. Definitely a new friend to me. Yeah, that's that's the beautiful thing about it. Yeah, I think you're gonna enjoy this guy. I think he's got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Definitely. But, uh, how have you been since we last recorded? Oh, it's going through the motions, man. Been doing some more photography work. Shot my first real estate home that I was telling you about. Congrats. Thank you. Appreciate that. Just getting some practice in. Went and bought another new camera. So not having buyer's remorse about that yet, but we're uh, we're doing it. Looking to line up some more gigs here pretty soon. That's awesome, man. What'd you get for a camera? Nikon Z6. It's a full frame mirrorless camera. Got a 24 to 70 F4 on there. So it's a beast of a camera. That's for sure. And now before this, you were kind of always a a DSLR guy. So this is kind of your first jump into the realm of mirrorless cameras, isn't it? Well, the Z50 was my first mirrorless camera, but that was a crop sensor camera. Got it. Yeah. So I was getting the 1.5 crop on there, but now I have the full frame. So now I can really, truly get those crazy wide angles for real estate photography. Very cool. It's a nice little upgrade. Yeah, man. I'm stoked. It's gonna be sweet. So when do you think your, uh, your next real estate gig is going to be? I mean, this is kind of like a good time of the year for it, right? Because everything's Definitely. pretty green. Mm-hmm. Lawns are nice and manicured. For sure. Well, you actually, you sent me a link that I'm going to hop on about doing freelance real estate photography. I'm going to try to do that a little bit on the side. Um, and actually, I can't take credit for that. Engineer of the show, Salsa Dave, sent me the link. So also beautiful thing about this podcast, hopefully getting, you know, lining up some gigs for some people. Appreciate that, good sir. I like it. Yeah, I'm going to look into that. Um, got some email marketing stuff that we're going to do. Try to reach out to younger real estate agents because the like 12 different real estate agents that I've talked to already, all of them are like, oh yeah, we got a guy. We got a guy. We got a guy. And it's like, oh, okay. All right. So got to just talk to people that are pretty young and new to the game and don't have somebody yet. So become their person. But we get it done. It's just networking, leveraging that. Absolutely, man. Speaking of networking, maybe worth mentioning, uh, Suds Buds, actually, we've uh, got a couple episodes recorded, a couple more lined up. Yes, but sir. Always worth noting that we're always looking for uh, uh, guests, interesting, uh, charismatic people that have stories in and out of the beer industry. Yeah. Um, you know, do you want to plug the email so people can reach out to us? Yeah, the email is uh, sudsbudspod, that's suds with a Z, uh, buds with a Z, pod at gmail.com. Uh, drop us a, an email and we'll, we'll get back to you and try to line something up. Yeah, we'll do it all over Zoom. We're doing the social distancing thing. So that'll, we'll work that out real nicely. 
yeah, it's been fun. I think it's been working well and hopefully everyone's been enjoying it, but, uh, definitely. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, what do you got going on the rest of this week? Tap room working in the tap room. Same. Yeah. Not working for three months has really given me that itch to just dive head first and just be as busy as possible. I like staying busy when I'm bored and at home, I stay up way too late. I wake up way too late and I just get out of the groove. Now it's waking up in the morning real early, getting cracking, getting after it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's been the same thing for me, minus the deliveries. I haven't had too many early mornings, but it's been more conditioning myself for those late nights. Again, working a lot of the four to midnights with the 20 minute back drive back mm-hmm. to back to home. But, uh, you know, speaking of the tap room grind, I actually ran into our, our guests today at the tap room just a couple of days ago. You were telling me that. Um, I think now is, I don't think there's any time better than now to introduce him to the show. Go ahead. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today, so let's crack open that conversation. Uh, our guest today is from Virginia, but he has called Minnesota his home for the last few years. Um, he's a brewer. He's a bartender. And don't even get this guy started on his DC sports. Our guest today, uh, guest of the show, Mr. Julian Pelkey. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Hey, what's going on, guys? Chilling, dude. What are you doing? Uh, just chilling, you know. Got off work about an hour ago. Uh, we'll give you a heads up. The dog just walked in the door for a run, so hopefully he's pretty tame. But you might hear a little bit of dog noises uh, in a few minutes, but it shouldn't be too bad. Nah, that's all right. The name of the podcast is Suds Buds. We welcome all good boys. Oh, yeah. He is a good – well, he's kind of a good boy. I'll say that. <laughs> What's the dog's name? His name is Tank. He's a oh, yeah. two-year-old black pit bull. Uh, he's one of those little skinny pitties. Uh, we think he's mixed with probably a hound dog, but we're not quite sure. He's a, he's just a ball of energy, though. Adorable. Is that him in the background rummaging? That's him. He's running around. Sounds like a tank. He just got a bath, so he's wrestling a towel right now. So, yep, that's well- him. Julian, the name of the show is Suds Buds. What do you say we uh, crack open a beer? Absolutely, man. I'm excited. Nice, nice. Well, the first one up on the list is the Bald Man Special, the Honey Hush Kolsch. How do you feel about cracking one of those open first? Oh, man, it's been a long time since I've had one of these, and this is one of my favorite Kolsch's around. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to have this. There you be. Sorry about the noise. We're uh, we're pulling a sixty-four ounce growler out of a uh, an old cooler. So we'll see if I can even get this damn thing open. No, I feel like it's important to note, Julian. You did in fact work at Baldman at one point in time. I did indeed. That was my first gig I got here when I moved to Minnesota in January or February of twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I started bartending there for a little bit uh that was kind of my first taste of minnesota beer or at least when i moved here um yeah and uh oh god i i love bald man beer i, I love, like everything they got there appreciate that so were you were you bartending and you know we talked before the podcast you were doing bartending and delivering did you have a hand in brewing anything at all at that point in time i did not um have any hand in brewing uh, when I moved to Minnesota. It wasn't until after Bald Man that I got back to brewing again. Right. 
Um, but yeah, no, just when I was at Bald Man, it was strictly just deliveries and, you know, getting to know some people in the industry, learning what the beer market is out like here. And yeah, definitely. And you are currently a brewer at Tin Whiskers. Yes, sir. I'm the assistant brewer over at Tin Whiskers. So That's where, awesome. yeah. So where did that, that passion stem from to want to get into creating your own beer did you were you homebrewing beforehand or did this all happen to you when you were working at bald man you wanted to start having input or just shine light on that um you know i actually had it was in virginia where i i had first started to brew um i brewed out there for a local brew pub and um the way i got into it honestly was just I mean, it was luck. I just kind of stumbled into it. I was bartending at the time. Um, and I went to dinner at a brew pub with my now fiance, then girlfriend. Um, and we asked the server like, Hey, uh, you know, I was looking for a way out of bartending to like move on. And she like asked the server at the time, like, Hey, are there any jobs available in the brew house? Like, you know, my boyfriend is very interested in starting to learn how this all works. And that server was actually the delivery guy who was like, I just put in my two weeks. So I'll give you my number, you know, text me your info. And I'll, you know, I think the next day I got a call from the head brewer and was just like, come and interview, um, took an interview. And he on the, like on the spot was just like, yeah, if you want the job, it's yours. You know, if you want to learn how to brew, that's what we're here for. And yeah, they just kind of took me in right away. And, I just kind of fell in love with it. I knew that it was something, uh, not brewing, but I knew that I was going to do something my life, my career was going to be working with my hands and being very active. Um, I love beer. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. we all love beer. Um, you know, so it was a curiosity of, you know, how do I get involved creating it? And, you know, just the luck of there being a job right at that moment that, you know, had my fiance not spoken up at the time, I might, I may not be here, you know, right. doing what I do. Um, so I really, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of this is for her to thank. Um, yeah, I was yeah, say shout out to her for being super cool and supporting oh, yeah. what you want to do. That's oh yeah. She's been really, really cool throughout this whole time, you know, moved out here and wasn't brewing for a year, but I was bartending until I finally got my shot at brewing again at Tin Whiskers. And it's, it's been a fun little ride. Yeah. yeah. No, you uh, mentioned a little bit before we uh, started recording today. Uh, this just reminded me when you mentioned your fiance, you were talking about a place in Virginia called the, uh, the Arlington Cinema and Draft House. Yep. ACDH. It's uh it's a little comedy theater. They also play movies uh, throughout the week. Um, I think it's changed a little bit now, but when I was there at the time, they kind of did, um, I don't know what the term is, like the second run movies where like they just come out of like the big theaters mm. and it's like right before they hit DVD and stuff, we would get all those big movies. Sure. Um, you know, we have a service bar, like a, great full menu and then we would have like yeah comedians come in and do uh comedy shows on the weekends um and that was i mean that was a blast i mean we'd have people like tracy morgan came in once uh, bobby lee would come in tom green 
Um, so those huge are just names. A few of them. Pete Davidson was like my first show. Wow. Jeez. Uh, and that was like before. This was before he was Pete Davidson. Yeah, this was like 2016. So this was like wow. when he just got on SNL about, and he just kind of started blowing up. I had heard the name and was like, I know that guy, but I don't know what from. But uh, no, it was a blast. I had a great time working there. Um, that's where I really got into craft beer, as a matter of fact, um, because we were a draft house. We had all these local breweries on draft. And so I would just kind of try, you know, little things every now and then. And it took me some time to kind of build up a palate and not be so super like, oh, I got to drink Budweiser all the time. Right. But, yeah. Sure. Uh, it's a natural evolution. Absolutely. And um, yeah, no, it was a great time. And uh, that's definitely a, a spot I miss and um, hope they're doing well through this pandemic. I, I don't know if they're, you know, made it through or if they're still powering what's going on. But Do you have any uh, interesting stories from that place of like uh, uh, alcohol and comedians, like slinging drinks to comics that are out there uh, making the making the towns? Um. If you got to drink with Tracy Morgan, I'm going to be extremely jealous of you, sir. <laughs> no, I would be too, 100%. I, we all very much wanted to drink with him. Um, it was great. I had a beer with like Tom Green and, and Bobby Lee. Uh, That's awesome. They were super fun people. Um, are they as funny in person as they are on the internet? Oh, they're like Bobby Lee especially. He's always on. That dude yeah. is just constantly going and going and going. And mm -hmm. he's just he's not afraid to just be himself um that was definitely one of those weekends i think he performed twice when i was there and those were the weekends that was definitely the most fun like the show even working the show it was super busy but like you had a great time as you're like trying to catch up with all these tickets you're still having a great time because it's bobby freaking lee and he's right right hilarious. um unfortunately i did not get to have a drink with tracy morgan um i believe I don't know if it was his first show. I don't know if him coming there was his first stand-up show since his accident, but it was one of the first. It was like okay. one of his first five shows that he had done before his he starts filming. He started filming a special, I guess. Um, sure. That was fantastic. That dude really knows Crushes. how to just bring the house down, man. I yeah, he was just still the same good old Tracy Morgan. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. I gotta say. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So what was a question I'm super interested in? And this, this goes for any part of the country. How does the beer scene differ from where you grew up to where you currently reside? You know, um, it's somewhat difficult for me to answer that just because I got into it. I was only really into it for a year while I was out there in Virginia. It's fair. Um, and I really think between, especially since like 2017, 2016, we've seen the scope of, or, you know, what an IPA is. We've seen that change just so much that, right. you know, out there, it's still the same. You know, people are super into the hazy IPAs, the mm -hmm. juice bombs and all that. That's all the same. Um, I do remember uh, the one difference I remember for sure was brewery I worked at out there. We would do a jalapeno pale ale. Ooh, really nice. Just your basic, your, your basic bitch IPA, just a really nice cascade bite, real solid. Mm -hmm. 
That um, sounds so good. Yes, it like, does. Those are like so refreshing. My two favorite beers come together because, like, oh. I'm a big fan of like pepper beers. Light, dark, doesn't matter. Like, I love jalapenos or chipotles yeah. and beers, and then I also just love yeah. a classic American pale ale. So good exactly. bit. It there. was it was perfect. And I remember when I moved out here, and I was like, "Oh, we gotta." somebody should do this. I mean, I think I had a bunch of interviews with, with breweries and I was like, Oh, you know, I would like to do a jalapeno pale because that's sold really well out there. And if you do it right, you know, it'll, it'll sell. People will love it. Um, and every response and I still get all the time, you know, Minnesotans don't like spicy things or they don't like hot things. So anything with the term like habanero or jalapeno was an automatic no, because, that wouldn't sell like that definitely wasn't a beer Minnesota market thing. Right. Um, so I've definitely seen that. Um, but I really got to say it's, it, I feel like it's just kind of, it's the same as out here, honestly. Um, the hazy IPAs kind of took over the world and yep. that's really what everybody's kind of drinking. And I think it blew up. I, it might've blew up out there before it did here in Minnesota. Um, but I, I, you know, I can't quote me on that, but that's kind of one thing I did notice. Right. Uh, spicy beers and just the IPAs were the same. So, yeah, it seems like in Minnesota, because we're such a volatile state in terms of seasons, like we go, it, it lends itself to like our seasons with beer. Like as soon as fall hits lagers and then into the winter months, it's, porters stouts and then as soon as summer hits everyone wants fruited ales uh sours stuff that's light like we have such a a a wide variety of beers that's Mm. forever changing a lot of seasonal drinkers yeah all the time and i you know i totally get that i i'm not a huge stout or porter guy um and i never really have been i like to kind of experiment a little i mean it's something it's when I moved to Minnesota, that was my thing. It got cold as balls. I was not used to it. And I was yep. like, you know, I want a beer, but I don't necessarily want to sit here and just crush a colch. Like I want something with a little bit more flavor that mm-hmm. I'm not going to throw back, but I can kind of take my time, learn the flavors and just really kind of understand what a porter and a stout are, you know, what flavors right. I'm supposed to be getting out. Um, I mean, especially like when it comes to brewing, I I mean, that's the one beer I, it would take me a little while to formulate one of those. I don't know too much about the basics of that beer. Um, It's just not something I've really focused on because it's not something I typically care for, but I, uh, I am like that in, you know, I'm Minnesota like that. Like I'm a very seasonal drinker. I always Mm -hmm. like a culture of half, but you know, you don't see those till the spring or the summer. And I typically will get a lager wherever I can find it. Right. If anybody's got a lager, I'm probably drinking it. Yeah. Well, Julian, speaking of Kolsch, uh, let's bring it back to what we've got right in front of us today. We're drinking the Honey Hush Kolsch from Bald Man Brewing, where uh, we all kind of met each other, actually, yep. all three of us. Um, this is a very cool opportunity for us because we have not had the privilege of having uh, a brewer in our company breaking down a beer for us so can you kind of tell us what you're tasting with this right now and what you think of it uh we do a five star rating on this show with points 
Okay. Good points. Uh, decimals, decimals yes. do count. Does Dustin likes to remind okay. us every week? Um, you know this beer, and you know I think it's still got that same really delicious flavor that I remember it from last year. Uh, I think, oh man, I gotta take a sip. This is such a good beer. The one thing I really like about this beer is that um, there's definitely. I mean, there's honey there. It's in the name, mm-hmm. but it's, it just is, it's not overpowering, you know, yeah. it's yeah, something that it's, yeah, there's, there's that hint of honey sweetness there, but it doesn't kill the beer. You still get that Kolsch soft, light, easy drinking base beer. Um, and I think that's something, yeah, bald man has really figured out pretty well. I know they have a Tupelo honey Brown too, which I don't know what they're doing, how they're adding the honey. Um, there's different ways you can do it, but whatever they're doing, I think is, it's spot on. I really like this just, oh man, that, that just that mellow honey, I really think just really completes this beer. Mm-hmm. So excuse my ignorance, but what is, I know we technically have to call all of our Kolsch's Kolsch styles. Why is that? Right. Um, it's because it's technically traditionally a true Kolsch is only brewed in, uh, Germany. Okay. Um, like it on the town name right now, of course, but yes, there's a, uh, the water profile out there is like the reason why it's, it's very hard to mimic that you mm-hmm. technically like you, you can't really mimic it. Um, but yeah, it's if it's not brewed there, then it's not a true and full Kolsch. Right. It all has to do with like location. We but see because of the style and the characteristic. I mean, it is a Kolsch. It's right. just not a traditional Kolsch. Fair. And we we see that same sort of thing. Go ahead, Eric. Oh, I was just gonna say I got uh, some notes here from our our wonderful engineer that a Kolsch beer stems from Cologne uh, or Cologne. Cologne, Germany, um, but found its Cologne. Tip of your tongue. um, Found its way onto America's craft beer scene, like many other German beers. Technically, for beer to be called a Kolsch, it has to come from the city of Cologne. But that hasn't stopped American craft brewers from embracing the Kolsch style of beer. Okay, right. It has to come from Cologne. For some reason, I wanted. I almost want to say Bologna for some reason, but I know that's Italy. And I was like, oh, don't say that. Don't say that. It's Cologne. I didn't want to screw that up. Um, yeah, it's traditionally, if it's not brewed in Cologne, then it's not a Kolsch, but I mean, the style is there. I mean, mm-hmm. you can go learn the characteristics and see like, what is the malt buildup? What is the water profile? And you can just try to match that. For sure. Um, I don't know bald man's Kolsch malt bill or hops or anything. So it's be a little hard for me to compare that with a traditional Kolsch, but, um, yeah. So I, I think, don't we see a lot of that, especially definitely in the wine industry, but also with specific styles of sours, correct? Don't we see that a lot in like lambics per se? Yes. And sours are, that's one thing that's, I don't want to say it's a dying beer, but at least. Oh, don't tell me that. I love my sours. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a dying beer, but it's something that I think breweries are starting to get smarter with the more we learn about them 
Um, for instance, when I first was getting into brewing, I didn't know anything about sour. All I knew was, um, I knew there was one brewery out there in Maryland that they had their own like setup for brewing sour beers. Yep. And it's because like, if you use that same ingredient or that same bacteria to produce that sour flavor in any other beer, it's going to infect it. Yeah. Um, same with the lines, correct? Like yes. if you have to have a dedicated sour line to pour the beer out on tap. Yes. Yes. So it's, um, I'm still learning, like I'm still learning about like kettle sours right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been a huge sour person. And yeah. I think a lot of it is just because I haven't been in the industry that long and I haven't had the chance to really, you know, break down that style and learn, you know, how is it like produced, you know, um, from start to finish, you know, what, I mean, I can kind of get the flavor notes and profile and what, mm-hmm. but I, I'm still learning the differences between all of these sour bases. And I mean, some of them like Lambic, that's something like you really don't find those around. Yeah. Um, so it's something that like, there's some sour styles that are, I, I kind of feel like are starting to die off as we learn more and are kind of starting to perfect the sour. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, I like them, but I I wouldn't be able to talk too much about it. I I don't think I've, I've been in the industry long enough to learn um, what really makes a true sour sour, you know? Is there a specific sour that you can name, like the first one that comes to your head that you you do enjoy, that you would enjoy on a hot summer I night grilling? Know that, uh, Barrel Theory has some great sours. Yes, sir, uh, they do. Great for Linner Wisens. And yes. I, yes, those, whenever I think sours, that's who I think of. Yeah. Barrel Theory. I have not had a single sour from there that I've been like, oh, gross. Um, and I'm, hazies. I'm not even a huge hazy guy. Or I shouldn't say I'm not a huge hazy guy. I was, but I think it's a style I've kind of been burnt out on just because, like you said, everyone's doing them. It's kind of the, yeah. the craze mm-hmm. of the market. Mm-hmm. But I will say Barrel Theory's got it dialed in with their their sours yeah. and their, their hazy. Blackstack as well. Blackstack has excellent hazies. Granted, they do seven of them all the time, but they're all pretty good. Well, and shout out yeah, to Blackstack, Blackstack too yeah. because like, as far as geographically they might be the closest tap room to where we're recording right now it's true it's true they are uh how they're connected to can can wonderland yeah yeah very fun place to be i've never gone to i love it it's a good date night i love black if if your fiance and you decide you want to have a date night do something fun you can go ahead to can can wonderland and then connected to can can wonderland they have like a a little draft house type thing where it's one of those where like you you scan your card and then you pour your beer and you pay by ounces. It's oh, super cool. That. Yeah. I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah. One thing I would, if you like, okay, another, excuse my ignorance. Is it goes or goza? G-O-S-E. I say goes. Okay. I've, I've heard it both ways though. Okay. Um, yeah. I say goes. I think that's how it's spelled. So okay. <laughs> that's how I pronounce it. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I don't know too many people who are too like sticklers about that. Right, right. If I could recommend you one, I, it's I would say it's my favorite sour beer, and I like I'm a sour fanatic, so I've tried quite a few of them. Uh, Omni's Lime Goes is to die for. 
I've seen a lot of Omni pop knife. up on the area. Ooh, fall, well, the, there's is wait, a, that was the Kolsch. That was the yeah. Kolsch. My bad. I corrected your beer. I'm I'm sorry. No, no, no worries. <laughs> well, it's well, that's that's a really interesting case study to look at because a, the tartest Kolsch I've yeah. ever had. Falling Knife has a lime Kolsch, and if you gave it to somebody on a blind taste test, you would be like, I mean, this this could be a goes, but it doesn't have like that sea salt like coriander hit that goes usually has the one thing i'll say about goes is that like that's in my mind a ghost should always have that kind of salty at least agree it should have that hint yep that is and that's why like when we talk about sours like we're starting to be get smarter about it but there Mm -hmm. are some people like i'll have a goes and i'll be like well i don't get any salt in this but it's definitely a sour and i guess goes is somewhat of a sour yeah. right so yeah yeah i mean it's it's not uh false advertising i guess and maybe somebody else does get the saltiness for all i know but yeah i uh yeah i agree with that but yeah omni i gotta try that i've seen that beer pop up a lot around here they're good stuff. super excellent that's my hometown oh, and uh oh really oh yeah and hey if Whenever you're available, I would be down. If you've never been up there, I would be super open to you, me, and Eric here taking a trip on up to Omni and trying oh, a few yeah. of their beers. That'd be a good time. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be awesome. Hell yeah. Well, Julian, I'm, uh, I'm empty here, and I'm just well. to dig into this next one. I got I to gotta be honest. When you told me this next beer that we're about to crack, I should maybe preface. I asked Julian earlier in the week what would be a couple beers that are – near and dear to him or he has fond memories of mm-hmm. um so we could drink them over conversation well, and i feel this like this one, is a classic it, it's a classic but it caught me off guard i gotta be honest um before we dive into that we can't move on without rating the kolsch out of five stars julian what are you giving the honey hush kolsch from bald man brewing company um i give it a five i give it a five out of five uh, that, that beer is drinkable it's it a generous rating exactly what if i look and i see a kolsch um you know that's typically my go-to and if i had never had this beer before and i tried it i'd be like yep that's a great kolsch i can and already I just, see tristan blushing worth noting beer i've yeah this Julia is my favorite is not, beer when I got there. That's amazing. Julia is not being paid by Bald Man right no. now. And it also, milestone for the show, first time we've ever had a beer with a five-star review here. I Yeah. Wow. Episode four already that we've had it. Yeah. This is uh, it's a pretty special moment. Yeah. Thank you, Julian. You- yeah, no. I, I love this beer, man. This is definitely... Every now and then, when I see it in the uh, in the liquor store, if I'm feeling a, you know, a nice honey coal shot, and I see this, I get it because I yeah love this out of the can when it came out in cans. Oh, it's fantastic. It the Kolsch is one of those beers along with our Tupelo Honey that is, I would, in my opinion, the two beers that stand up the absolute best in cans. Absolutely. Like they're the the flavor profile, it doesn't diminish. Like we will see, like. As all three of us know, if you catch a hazy on a warm shelf and you buy one of those, it's a little, it's kind of 50-50 on if that's going to be true to flavor. Right, exactly. Um, and yeah, this is a Kolsch that definitely, it stands out and it's something that I could just crush all day. Dustin, what are you giving it on the uh, old five-star scale? Oh, you know, 
it's no falling knife lime Kolsch. I'll say that again. I'm a tart head. I'm going to go ahead and give it a, it's, it's a crushable beer on a hot day, sitting on a boat, casting a line. You're with your boys. That's a perfect beer. I'm going to go ahead and give it a four, one, four, one. Also a very solid rating. Um, I agree. I think the uh, the key lime Kolsch from Falling Knife was something special, but it was something. It was a weird combination for me. I hadn't had uh, those flavors combined, so I think right. I was kind of taken aback by that. Right. But I will say, as far as a a Kolsch, I shouldn't say it doesn't have anything added because it is a honey Kolsch. Mm-hmm. But as far as just a a beer that is true to that style, I think uh, the Honey Hush. It hits it right on the head. Uh, I'm putting it at four out of five. Good deal. Well, I think is this. This has got to be one of the first times I've outranked you. No, I outranked you only one other time. I think on the last podcast, I only outranked you. It on might one be. Beer. I, we need to get the the uh, like an ongoing tally sheet. Yeah, yeah. I think that's something to put on the to do list after this episode. But, Usually, I'm uh, a lot harsher than you are. I mean, as of right now, Honey Hush is in the lead. First ever five star rating. Uh, very cool. Again. Uh, Julian joining us on the show today. Um, yeah, very happy to have you here. Yeah, what do we got for this next one? So for this next one that I just cracked, it is a high life. The one and only. From Miller. Oh, yeah, I got myself a bottle this time. I there you go. I go for the tall boys, but I saw the bottles and said, you know, I'll go for the glass. So. You're a classy gentleman. If we're being honest, out of bottle is the way to drink this beer. Um, Should I true to form just drink it out of can? I mean, yeah, we could drink it three different ways. One out of glass, one out of bottle, one out of can and see what we got going on. I mean, I have my fondest memories crushing, out, crushing these out of cans. I'm into it. So before we cheers, what are we smelling right here? I'm smelling like uh, uh, heavy iron, but maybe like a touch of pennies and bloody nose. I'll be honest, not a whole lot. Uh, yeah, I get the blood a little bit. Um, it's really hard to smell out of this bottle. Um, it smells like <laughs> bad decisions. Uh, I probably look ridiculous in the camera right now. One of the few times I've wished that this was a video-based podcast because right now we've got Julian Zoom, like shoving a High Life bottle up his nose. It's beautiful. <laughs> this this like, smells like wanna, happy hour in Uptown. Yeah, I don't want to pour this into my glass i don't like mixing beers like that i don't, I don't want to get another um, one we don't need this to is a judgment free show uh we're all good i'm going in for the sip cheers boys cheers you guys that was a fascinating sound oh yeah that's, that's a high life the champagne of beers you know, ballsy to put that on a beer, the champagne of beers. So I'm not going to lie to you. When uh, when I was in uh, Virginia, we brewed a beer. It was a wheat beer, and it was infused with raspberry and blueberry, and it came out kind of had kind of a bluish hue to it, almost slightly pink, a little bit of pink blue, and um, we would go to beer festivals. And the one thing about Virginia weather. Um, is that it is it's a swamp out there so it's you have 90 degree 100 degree weather with 
100 degree humidity almost the entire from May or June to like September. Um, and so we would go to beer festivals in the summer with this beer. And it was so, it was like just so subtly sweet. Like we would, you know, bring it to festivals and say, oh, it's, you know, think of like a, it's a rosé for beer, you know? And oh my God, like, I don't even know how to explain that beer without saying, yeah, it's a rosé for beer. Like it's got that really perfect, like mix of fruity and like, it's, but it's got like a bite to it to where it was like so crisp, but it was a wheat mm -hmm. meal. So it was also really smooth. And so whenever I think of champagne of beer in high life, I'm just like, yeah, no, that's pretty. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. It was this, this was at the brewery that you were brewing at, correct? Yes, this is uh, the brewery I was brewing at in Virginia. Was this a beer that you, you, you had a hand in with like the full recipe making of? Because I would love to dive into a little bit of that and in your experience with building recipes and some stuff that you're proud of that you've done. So I, as far as building recipes, you know, I've only been brewing for, brewed a year out there and then yeah, about a little over a year at Tin Whiskers. Um, I have formulated or, you know, I really formulated one recipe that I have, you know, from grain to glass taken part of. Um, and a lot of that is just because, I mean, that's how the industry works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you got to put in your time. Um, and it was an Irish red ale. Yes. Uh, I actually tried it. Jordan, uh, yeah. you gave a crawler to Jordan and yeah, I was able I to have a uh... out there. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Did you like it? What do you think? It, it was, was one of, a long time ago, even yeah. I would struggle to remember what's in it, that beer. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm forgetting the exact notes I got from it, but red ales, I, I want to say that was the first Irish red ale I've ever had in my life. And I've had, I want to say Bad Weather does one as well. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I've got a very special place in my heart for red ales. Yeah. It's always a style that it's like red ales and black IPAs for whatever reason. Like I've, I've had very few bad ones, mm -hmm. but I also feel like there's so few places that make that really make that style, mm -hmm. like, and make it year round. You know, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe they just don't sell as much, but especially yeah, at like distribution. That, that actually to go back to that other question about the market. I mean, I don't know if the Virginia market's different, but I also, I have been told that the Minnesota beer market, if you put red or amber, it might not sell or like it's hmm. not as popular out here. Um, and I don't know if that's because like, I don't know if I'm thinking of like a beer scale from like light to dark you know, you have your like summer light beers and then you have your winter stout and porter and then maybe a brown ale. And then the amber would be like right before like you hit brown ale would be like an amber. And I don't know if, I don't know why that is. Like, I don't know why it's such a, a style that isn't brewed as often as it is. Um, that is, I mean, that's probably my favorite style. You know, if I'm if I'm not looking to crush something, you know, like a Miller mm -hmm. High Life, um, I really enjoy a nice amber or Irish red, which is why I wanted to brew that Irish red. Would that um, be most comparable to a lot of like, lagers, you would say, in terms of, like, or I should say, like, Oktoberfests and Marzins? 
it would be it would be close um it was an ale so it yeah i, I mean i could have used i i had a split second to where i was like eh, i might use some lager yeast i could have just switched the yeast and done mm -hmm. it in a lager form but I really wanted to get it out there on the, it was actually the week of my birthday that they released it. I think it might've been the day after my birthday we released it. That had to be pretty cool. Um, oh yeah, it was really cool. It was really special to me to just have, be able to like brew my first beer, you know, my first like start to finish. Um, you know, obviously I, I, I kind of had a set idea of how I wanted it to be but I didn't know like which base malt to use, like which company, which should I go European? Mm -hmm. I wanted to stay all European. I wanted it to make it as traditional as possible and use all English like ingredients, um, Very cool. which I, I was that. able to do. Um, oh, it's been a long time since <laughs> I talked about this beer, um, but it was really cool. And, and I mean, it was really special to kind of sit there and, be able to formulate a beer and the head brewer was just all in on it. I was, you know, I told him like, I want to keep this traditional. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's only a pilot recipe, so we don't have to order a ton of malt. Mm -hmm. It's not like a full pallet of grain. Um, you know, it was just kind of like, you know, what do we have right now that's available and what can we order? And yeah, we made it work and it turned out, I was like very, very happy. I was very proud of it. Uh, nice. Reds do have a special place in my heart. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to get one done and I did and it was great. <laughs> I'm nice. really hoping to do it again soon. And that's awesome. I'm super happy for you there. Um, is that beer on deck at all to come up, to come back again? You know, it is. I want to say yes. I know I, I've talked about it again, but I think the next beer that I'm hounding the head brewer to make that I want to make. This was my um, next question for you, actually. Yeah. The next beer that I want to do, it would probably wouldn't be a big badge. It'd be a small badge. I want to do a malt liquor. Oh, damn. Interesting. Yeah. I've, I can't say I've seen any craft malt liquors. That's interesting. I haven't either, but like I'm into this. And for one reason, like I, anyone who knows like my mom, has hung out with my mom knows that like on a hot summer night, if you tell me your mom drinks cold 45 right now, my mom does not drink cold 45, <laughs> but, but my mom does enjoy a 12 ounce grenade of Mickey's every now and again. Nice. Oh, and Mickey's. Yep. I've got very fond memories hanging out at my parents' house in the country on the back deck, having a cold Mickey's or ripping around on a golf cart through the woods, enjoying a cold Mickey's playing the cat yeah. with the cats with uh, you know, cold Mickey's in hand. That's like my mom's hot summer night drink of choice. So I, a lot of people in this industry, I feel like talk down on malt liquor all day. Oh, but absolutely. It's got its time and place. And just a few weeks ago, we had on uh, a guest from Baldman, uh, Nate Uppadel. Mm -hmm. And we one of the questions we asked him is if there was a time and place for 40s. Yep. And his answer was absolutely. Definitely. So <laughs> I'm curious, man. Tell me about this this concoction you're, you're interested in. So I haven't uh, even begun to write a recipe yet, um, but it's it's typically, it's a super basic beer to make kind of, I mean, you got corn flakes and wheat and, you know, 
base malt. I mean, it's um, the reason I want to make it though. We, uh, when I was at the brewery in Virginia, we did a, a batch of malt liquor and, you know, it's one of those beers that like, I mean, every brewery, you know, they have their beers that they make, you know, they have some seasonals they make, you know, and it, you make beer that you're proud of and that you intend to sell and be proud of. But every now and then there's a beer that comes along that you're like, this has to be perfect. Like I'm going to be so you know, like anal about every little detail that goes into this beer because this is what, you know, we're putting out. And in Virginia, it was the malt liquor for us, like that summer. It was like that rosé beer I was talking about and then the malt liquor. And so we made this malt liquor and uh, the brewery was, it was called Capital City Brewing Company. Um, we called it Cap 45, uh, this malt Love liquor. It. And... It was just so, it was, you know, it, it was, I love a good Colt 45. It's hard for me to drink malt liquor other than Mickey's. I can drink Mickey's, but it's hard for me to drink malt liquor after making one. And it was just so like sweet. Like it was very sweet, like a malt liquor would be, but it also was just, uh, you know, I don't know. There's something about that beer, like, we went to uh, Charlottesville for a beer festival um, one week, and I think it was the week after, you know, everything went down out, out there uh, that year, 2017, I think. Um, we went out there with malt liquor, and we went to this uh, little kind of brewer's reception. It was a beer festival, but the night before, they had something for just the brewers. And we brought our malt liquor that we hadn't released yet. And this thing is like, oh, God. It was probably like 12, 13% alcohol, but it was just so sweet. Like you didn't really get a lot of boozy characteristics. Yep. It was just a whole lot of like sweet, smooth flavor. And I threw some back that day, like that night. I threw, I threw, the, I was throwing them back. It was so humid. I was sweating like crazy, wearing jeans like an idiot. Oof. I can't tell you that was, that might have been the worst hangover of my entire life was that next day like Oof, i was yeah. getting sick up until like four in the afternoon like i just it was like the worst experience but i still love a good malt liquor and i want to brew one for because it's got a little place in my heart you know so you've done edward 40 hands is what you're telling me i have done edward 40 hands. <laughs> is there any good oh, pictures from that night that we can see no at some that point that that was a good night of all right i'll do it with my one friend like you yeah know. keep it private <laughs> yeah yeah. It private. yeah yeah that was a little kind of a private fun thing to do but i have yeah. done that uh, that night i don't think was as crazy as as this night in virginia though i i gotta say i tend to be if i do like little private drinking stuff i tend to be pretty tame well yeah on the the topic of malt liquor i feel like this is appropriate to ask now um one question we usually ask guests of the show is uh, what their favorite guilty pleasure beer is. Is it safe mm -hmm. to say that Miller High Life is your favorite guilty pleasure beer? Oh, you're baiting him. You're baiting him. I just, I'm curious to know, you know, what the, why, I, uh, why this has so much, uh, this, so much meaning to you. Definitely. Because I'm enjoying it. It's been a while since I've had a High Life. And yeah, it's I'm your classic domestic. 
it is a classic domestic other than you know, I, I think uh yeah it would probably be miller high life or or honestly even a hams might even be my guilty pleasure i'm a bush light um, guy see i i'll still crush a bush light don't there get me go. wrong i mean that's like what i started drinking you know it's the bush light in college and then yep. budweiser and then um no, it's it's got a it's either Miller High Life or Hams, and you know I had never had a Hams until I moved here, and it's a staple. I had yeah, I had visited a few times, and like I knew about Hams. I knew it was, I knew it, for lack of a better, it was like the Budweiser of the Midwest or Budweiser of Minnesota kind yep, of. I absolutely. guess is a good way to put it. And so, like, I kind of made fun of it a little, like a lot of people when they first start getting into the industry, like, oh, I don't drink that shit, like, blah, blah, blah. Of course, I was joking, but it did take me a while to actually try one. And then when I tried one, I was like, oh, no, I got to, this is my beer, like, Hams is, Hams and Miller Lite. Those are probably my guilty pleasure beers. See, still to this day, I cannot stand Hams. But if you put a Michelob light in front of my face, I will smash a case of that all day long. I, that, that, that is, is my guilty a, pleasure beer. You know, that's a beer I've grown to love too. You don't get Michelob golden light outside of the Midwest. Exactly. And so when I first came here, and I think the first time I tried it, I was visiting and I was in the airport before I went back to Virginia. And I was like, I'll get one of those. And I remember talking to the bartender of like, I don't remember seeing a golden light ever before. And he said, yeah, you can only find it like in the twin cities or Minnesota. Yeah. And I said, oh, okay. I even remember there was a, there was a nice young lady that I was seeing for a while. And I remember talking to her mother, she went on a trip to Wisconsin and her mom came back so mad. She was saying, I went to this hotel and there was no Michelob on tap. What is wrong with them? And I was like, is this Regional just a beer? Yeah, I was like, is this just a Minnesota thing? I had no idea. I thought it was all over until you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah, it is weird to see the beers that uh, that are available region to region. Mm-hmm. Like I think we, it was maybe last week we touched a little bit on New Glarus. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, good beer, not a beer I'm going to hot state lines for, you know. No. If someone passes me one, I'll, I'll drink it. But I'm not going to go out of my way on the weekend to hunt it down. Um, it's kind of like uh, Yinling. I had a buddy from from uh, Pennsylvania that loved Yinling. Not something I can get here. But when he was taking classes over there, mm-hmm. he came back and brought me back some Yinling. And it was... You can't get that here? No. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's, uh, there's no Yinling. Uh, I don't think in in any of this kind of mm-hmm. Midwest central no. Midwest belt. But uh, yeah, it, it is weird how things vary region to region, but uh, Miller high life uh, I'm into it. It brings back memories. Um, actually, I think last time I had a Miller high life was like new year's of 2019. They were running a promo where they were actually selling it in champagne bottles. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and had to get a couple of those because, I mean, come on. Who doesn't want to drink the champagne of beer yeah. out of a champagne bottle? I feel but. like, uh, yeah, you guys don't have 7-Elevens out here, right? No, no I wish. No. K- kind of. I think I wish. I, I, I don't know. I just wish the gas station by my house was still open yeah. right now. To Not not to, not to change the subject a little bit, but something I'm genuinely interested about, uh, piggybacking, piggybacking off of what we were just kind of talking about, about regional beers. 
Julian, how do you feel about commoditized beers? I know the two big ones that come to my mind right away are Junkyard and Drecker. And any liquor store that I personally go to, and if I'm there on the day of delivery, in specifically MGM Egan, shout out Rob, there is, as soon as they pull up, there's a line out the door for those beers. And me personally, I've had three of their lactose sours that I had actually shared with you, Eric, from Drucker that I personally wasn't a super big fan of, but those beers just fly out the door. Right. Um, do you mean, do you mean like, you know, big release beers or just, I guess like the business model of like commoditizing your beer and not maybe, and this is not the shit on these, these breweries. Cause I, I do genuinely enjoy uh, a good portion of their beer, but it seems like there is an avenue to gain market share in the sense that you would just commoditize your beer and make oh, it hard I for some folks saying. to get, even that you might not be focusing on like making it a limited quantity. Yeah. 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 And, and people, okay. people flock uh, whenever there's a Drecker or junkyard yes, release, they sell out. Immediately. I, uh, I see what you're saying. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to wait in line for beer. <laughs> yeah i mean that's i think that's the best answer i can give you (laughs) no that's fair no that's fair i i agree i I agree with uh limited releases i mean Mm -hmm. you know and i think that is a very very good way to it also i mean it depends on the product too because you know like there are some beers that i mean like right now at tin whiskers we were talking about it's a burl aged uh you know birthday cake imperial stout um we're only doing 250 bottles of it Mm -hmm. and it's one of those like it's a really good beer and the amount of time and effort that goes into it is it's a lot you know um so i i'm not going to stand in line for a beer you know for four hours waiting for for it to drop right but i don't have a problem with anybody that does and I don't have a problem with breweries that do it because I get it. There are beers that they take a very long time, especially right. when it comes to smaller breweries, when they do these, you know, small releases that and I know, I think we were talking about barrel theory. I'm pretty sure aren't they one of these breweries that they have like a big release of a very small mm-hmm. amount of beer. Uh, yeah. I think I've driven past there and seen. Yeah, a lot absolutely. Of- I think Nate um, talked to us about yeah. that for a while, being a yeah. little bit late to the draw on one of those. And I, yeah, and I mean, I don't know much about them, but I mean, I can't imagine the amount of like time and effort they put into them. I mean, even bottling them itself, like it's a if task. you don't have the right equipment, um, which a lot of these smaller breweries do not have, uh, you have to find a way to get the equipment if it's even just borrowing it from another brewery, you know? Right which is like really where connections kind of comes in, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing the other brewers around the area to say like, Hey, do you have this? And if you're not using it, can we borrow it for a little bit kind of thing? Right. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, especially on the, if it's, I mean, depending on the beer, you know, 
I mean, it's because now you see stouts being bottled and being commoditized. You see, you know, lambics that like we were talking about earlier. Um, You know, we see just so many things being put into just making these bottles that like, I get it. I, I get why a single small release will do it. I personally won't stand in line, but I respect it. And, yeah. you know, if I get a chance to try it, then I will absolutely try it. I will not back down from, you know, being offered a chance to try it. But, yeah, no. Not your thing. I'm also, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm kind of approaching it from the same angle as you. Like, I'll, I'll try it. and But also, at the same time, I'm not going to wait in line for a specialty yeah. release beer. And I used to work at, like, a, a liquor store where we would do limited releases and we would cut tickets and give people basically mm-hmm. raffle numbers because we know we had like we were allocated three cases of you know surly darkness or whatever so we knew that we could only yeah. give out yeah, yeah. uh you know however many 72 bottles or whatever um i completely forgot you know, about them surly darkness that that's another one of those breweries surly that they crush the commoditized games same with toppling goliath and it's it's they do but again um I'm personally not going to wait in line. It doesn't mean it's not a bad beer, but I just think there's too many other good beers out there right? where I'm not going to wait in line for it. And speaking yeah. of other good beers out there, one beer you do not have to wait in line for at the store is Miller High Life. Um, we're going to take a quick little break, but right after that, we're going to get back to our review and what we think on Miller High Life and then dive into our final beer of the day. All right, everybody, we are back with another episode of Suds Buds, and we are currently sitting here with our guest today, Mr. Julian Pelkey, my co-host, Dustin Selton. Hello again. And uh, we've got our reviews in for Miller High Life. I think I'm locked in on this one. Never thought I'd say it, but also very happy that Julian suggested that. It, uh, I haven't had one in a while. Thank you, sir. It's, uh, oh, yeah, it brings absolutely. me fond memories. It was tasty. What are you giving it, Dustin, on the five-star scale? Oh, man. It's so hard. I feel like I should almost put it in a different category, like domestics versus crafts, you know, because I've been so spoiled with the craft beer game for so long. It is weird, but this is an all-encompassing podcast. Yeah, yeah, so it is. if it's going toe-to-toe with the rest of the stuff we've drank, if you just had to give it an honest review, okay. where would you put it? All right. The drinkability is clearly at a five. I I could smash that all day long in terms of like body and like what I want out of a a light beer like that. um, If I had to give an all encompassing rating, I'm probably going to give it a solid 3.1. You know, it's, it's a domestic. It's not, I don't want to come off as a beer snob, but I, I want a little bit more. I feel like once you have a domestic, you've had them all for the most part. A lot of those domestic light beers, they kind of just I feel they like run can, together a little bit. A little bit. That. The, yeah, they start to bleed into each other. But it, I used to actually really, really dislike Miller High Life in particular. But after having that one, I might be sold. That might be the new cabin beer. Glad to hear it. Uh, what are, what are we thinking? Where, is she, where does it lie amongst... 3.1. Yeah. 3.1. Okay. I feel it. Um, it is tough. We've, you know, this show is kind of in its infancy, but we have been blessed. We've had 
the opportunity to try some really cool new beers. Yeah. Some standout ones for sure. Um, I'm going to put Miller High Life at kind of a just above middle of the road 3.5. And I'm putting it at a 3.5 because I think there's power and consistency. You know when you go out and buy this beer, you know what, what you're going to get basically each time. There's no surprises. And if there's a surprise, something went terribly wrong. You got, you got a, a dud can. Um, it, it's kind of the same. It's tasted the same since the first time I tried one. Um, I'm it's not going to be disappointed if somebody passes me one. But also, it's never going to wow me. It's a, it's a 3.5 beer. You know what? I will be disappointed if somebody passes me, though. Hams. If you pass me a hams, that's when I go order a different beer. We got a bone to pick off air. <laughs> Miller High Life, what are you thinking, brother? Um, you know, I, it's, it's really easy when you ask me a guilty pleasure and I say this beer. It's easy to say five, but once – I'm glad I heard you guys talk first because I do think, yes, I don't drink a whole lot of domestic beer, not to be a snob, but, like, when I do, it's this beer or it's hams. And I do because of what you said, Eric, the consistency of it. I know what I'm getting every time. To be fair, this was the first time I've had it out of a bottle um, in a long, very long time. And it was honestly better than what I was even expecting. So I'm going to even go higher and say maybe more like a 4.5 wow i love it i'm loving the positivity and, wow. and i gotta say it's you know like i said i haven't had a budweiser in a very long time but the last time i did have a budweiser i was i could not finish it and to be fair it may have been like super old like sure you know <laughs> whatever um but the yeah, if I'm comparing it to like a Budweiser, uh, yeah, no, but I hated Budweiser one of the last time I had it, and then a Mick Golden Light, I really really like, but I think that I think this is better than that, like by far, you know. And Hams is up there, but I think this is better than Hams. I, I gotta say, four point five. Uh, That's solid. Yeah, four point five. I'll give it drinkability is mostly what i go on definitely so. thoughts on bud platinum though <laughs> i haven't had one of those in forever maybe i'll i'll have one of those and i'll get back to you there you go well miller high life uh that closes the door on that one we had a 3.1 from dustin a 3.5 from me and a 4.5 from julian some strong ratings there not miller bad for uh, an old standby yes sir but this one i'm excited about this is a new beer to me this is a new beer to me too. This is a real special one. I see um, Julian smirking already about this one. Yeah, I'm happy about this one. First of all, I'm just loving the can on this beer. That that's a, a conversation in itself. But Definitely. What we are cracking open. The Dope Bot from Tin Whiskers Brewing Company. Yes. And the Dope Bot is a double dry hop IPA brewed with OG Kush hops. Yeah. Julian, do you want to run down a little bit of the characteristics and the thought process? Oh, oh wow, that is very red in color as soon as we start pouring. Yeah, do you want to start running off like a little bit of the thought process behind the beer and what was going on behind the scenes while you guys were brewing this one? Um, you know, so this was before the pandemic um, and everything 
pre-pandemic is a little hazy, you know. <laughs> um, but with this beer, uh, you know, we knew in our contract we were going to get some OG Kush. You know, our sales rep was like, oh, hey, cool. We got some of this for you. Um, and we said, oh, hell yes. Like OG Kush hops. Like we can have fun with that, you know. Yeah. Also, it's not, uh, you know, it's an experimental hop, you know. I'm not a hop farmer, um, mm -hmm. so I can't, you know, break down the specifics of how they're grown and whatnot. But um, this was a very limited hop that, you know, we were able to get our hands on. And we said, how are we going to do this? If we do it, like with uh, an IPA with OG Kush hops, we got to do it right, you know. Um, so kind of sat down and said, like, uh, you know, malt bill was set everything was good to go and we were like all right how are we going to market this like i mean when you think of og kush obviously you know <laughs> you yeah. think of marijuana so we right. were like how are we going to do this right without being so like in your face about it right right yeah and we do listen to a lot of 90s rap in the brewery yeah. um it's fantastic and uh we were just like oh dude Dr. Dre, the chronic. Yeah. Like, you led me right to where right I wanted there. to go. Well, before, you know, like, before we get into the can design, can we get a cheers? Cause I'm super excited to get to this. Let's do it. Cheers, fellas. Cheers, Julian. Oh, come on. Give me a tink. <laughs> oh, a little bit. of That just smells tart off the nose. Maybe that's my dumb nose. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I think you, you noted wow. right away, Dustin, when we poured this really cool color, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's dark, almost kind of an amberish color, a yeah. very cloudy kind of uh, uh, hazy amber. Yeah, that's um, interesting. I think the only time I've had OG Kush hops in a beer was at a Colorado brewery last spring. Um, there were there was one day where I hit like three tap rooms in a day, and I'm drawing a blank at which one it was, so I don't want to miscredit it, but I, it was either... <sighs> It was, it was like Aleworks or Crow Hop, but one of those two had a beer on, on tap that had OG hops, uh, was brewed with OG hops. And uh, yeah, this is really nice. Um, something real special. Yeah. I will say this is, this is a much better beer than a beer that I will, I will touch on in a minute here, but I definitely, I want to know the inspiration Obviously, I think all three of us know the inspiration behind that that uh that OG Kush can that we got going on here. That's super badass. Well, and the can is it's a it's a direct play on Dr. Dre's The Chronic album. We've yeah. got a a robot uh portrait style front and center and instead of the parental advisory label, we've got the the beer hops, the style um very cool man uh i mean that album's probably pushing 30 years now they're damn close it's gotta be so i mean you guys yeah like you were saying julian you guys are all just old school 90s hip-hop fans was this like a staple album for you guys i mean because i know we all know the chronic 2000 was it 2001 or 2000 the one with the black and green cover i mean that's like dr dre's greatest album or... yeah he called it chronic 2001 though i want to say sure. though yeah i'm Okay. Yeah, this is 92, but the black and green one was the 2001. The one with still Dre on it. 
Yes. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this so, is... 92 is the original. I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah that's what so, I was thinking of. A lot of people say they like old 90s, old school hip hop. Right. And then they'll bring up that chronic album but this is a little bit this is a layer deeper you know so you guys have really proven your metal a little bit when it comes oh, yeah. to drawing inspiration on this and I mean, i'm, I'm I proud of you guys gotta, yeah i definitely gotta say i mean i think our 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 lead man i mean both our marketing guy andy and uh our lead brewer patrick who is just you know super huge 90s hip-hop guy you know wu-tang is life we go. and uh I think especially having him around, it's it's gotten me way back into it. I've always listened to it, but I've never I, I've never taken the time to I I think really appreciate it until right. like I, you know, talked to Patrick and I've started, you know, I mean, I can't stop playing death to be honest. Like most deaf and just everybody Wu Tang is is incredible. I've always listened to like Biggie and Pac, but right. I mean breaking into all these other groups and like it's just been a really fun time and i think when this kind of opportunity i mean it almost presented itself it was kind of nice yeah let's take it and let's own it and we did and we're proud of this beer i mean that's awesome i feel i mean i feel like i want to know what kind of notes you guys get from it because i feel like i mean you get a pretty dank flavor from it um, yeah, absolutely. that that was I would say that was, and I'm not. I was telling you a little bit earlier. I'm not traditionally one for West Coasts, but this one, I don't know. It's given me. It's given me something a little different that I'm actually enjoying. You know, I would, I would say I would drink this over a Misty Mountain, which is Bald Man Brewing's West Coast style IPA. I would rather have one of these on tap. So, yeah, we were really just trying to experiment with these hops. And I, you know, as the guy that actually cleaned the fermenter after it was done, like, it smelled, I mean, it, it smelled like weed in there for like two yeah. days. Oh, I bet. Because of the hops. Even like brewing it, even just like taking open the bag and smelling it every now and then just to make sure like it held up over time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we would go into the office and be like, smells pretty dank in here yeah find like hops on the table and be like ah there we go i know i know you you brought up you're not a hop farmer but right is are these thc infused at all or is that just it's just a super dank hop i you know i don't know the specifics of it um i think it's i think it's just a super dank hop and they they kind of yeah, I don't know how they come up with their names, but I think like the dankness really comes out of it, which is why yeah. they labeled it that. Um, I do know that there is like some similarity in the way that like hops are grown and the way that marijuana is grown. They're in the mm-hmm. same family. Mm-hmm. Um, so there could be something more and I'd be I'd love to actually find that out if there was something more like correlated right there to where they kind of named these OG Kush. But right. I think uh, from what I remember, you know, it was very like, oh yeah, we got some OG Kush hops. This turned out well. And uh, right. yeah, I, I think it did. So well, I'm loving this beer, Julian. This, this is, is really good. This is drinkable. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad you guys are liking it. We've tried to uh, move towards doing shorter pours on the show for, for us at least just for the sake of moving things along, you know, kind of leave it up to our guests. 
but uh, this is the first one in a, a few weeks where I found myself topping it off a little bit right, because right. Uh, it continues to surprise me. My first sip was uh, it was very fruity. Fruity. It was kind mm-hmm. of just a, a a punch of of tropical fruit, not in a offensively sweet way. No, but I was just tasting like tropical fruit. You know, maybe like melon, pineapple a little bit. And then as I've continued to drink it, I get more of like what you said, that that dankness, a little bit of pininess, mm-hmm. kind of that yeah. traditional West Coast style IPA. That and that's kind of where I'm sitting right now is like, it's just that nice, that nice crisp bitterness. Yeah. See, I got what you got, but reverse. I got the, uh, I got like the dankness and all that right away. And then when you started bringing up the fruity and tropical flavors, then as I took another sip, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what I was tasting. Like at first sip, it was almost like fruity pebbles, yeah. which I think I've only ever had one other beer that's like brought those that like triggered that 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 sensory mm-hmm. connector, you know, where that's what my brain thought right away. But at first sip, I was like, oh, this is this is like fruity pebbles without right. the you know over the top sweetness. Yeah, right. And I think that, you know, might even be what you're getting is like the malt character. You know, the malt is really kind of enhanced with this. We went all out and uh, used some pretty nice base malt along with a lot of like flaked oats, a lot of wheat, uh, used some rice hulls to kind of filter out the mash. It was, uh, it's got a very nice, like heavy malt, you know, base to it. Right. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely feeling that because it is a little bit uh, heavier than what we've had previous to this yeah one. granted we yeah. started the show with a, a colch and a high life so we, it's, we right, stepped right. it up to a much bigger beer Definitely here it is yeah. it's, it's giving me closer. it's not as bitter but it's giving me uh like flashbacks of like delirious in terms of like the fruity esters that i'm getting from it sure a little yeah. bit of like uh when i when i ever have delirious like still to this day i get pear like right away yeah happily or pear you know that it's a belgian strong but it's just that like heavy, thick sweetness. Yeah. Thank you for prefacing that. I've, not everybody knows what delirious tastes like. So Bald Man Brewing Company is still on tap, available in 10 ounce pours. Fantastic so, beer. Julian, one question I would love to pick your brains about that I love uh, talking to any brewer that I can come across is and we've touched on this in parts. What is the process for you when it comes from? having an idea and then crafting a beer from, you know, just in your mind to fully getting it to come out the tap. What is that? What's that like? Do you usually come up with the hops first or is it, you just have something in mind? Um, I mean, yeah, it just kind of really depends on what style we're kind of trying to focus down on. Um, You know, if we're hops do play a factor in it, um, especially when it comes to like IPAs, um, mm-hmm. but it really just kind of depends on the beer we're trying to make. If we want like a nice crisp, like cracker, you know, flavor, we're going to focus on, you know, how do we make like a Blondale and then tweak it a little bit to make it our Blondale, yeah. you know? That's so um, interesting you say that actually. Like, go on, but I'm, I'm going to tell my story I mean, after. I mean, yeah, that's, that's just that's essentially what it is. It's, yeah. you know, what flavors do we want? What style does that fit? You know, or what style do we want? It could be the reverse, you know, it's 
what style do we want to make? Um, and then what flavors are we trying to get out of that style, but also how do we make it our own? Um, okay. And there's, there's so many different things I can break down. Right. Right. Um, you know, as far as like, you know, water chemistry, you know, if, if we're trying to make a beer that, you know, was a porter, we're going to base it off like a, you know, maybe an Alaskan porter and mm-hmm. you know, get a water chemistry of maybe what that might be like. Right. Um, but I mean, it just really kind of depends on the beer, you know, what style we want to make, what flavors we want. And then we kind of just go from there as to what base malt can we use to get those like malt flavors mm-hmm. What hops do we have, or are we going to get some special hops in and, you know, try to tweak that and see, cause I mean, a lot of hops we get, you know, we don't quite fully know what flavor we're going to get out of them right. as far as aroma and I mean, even bitterness and all that. Um, so you would start at the macro level and then start peeling back the layers. You'd start with style and then start looking at say hops and what type of flavors they get. And then, you know, go from there layer by layer. Yeah. It's, it's a very layer by layer thing. And, you know, I, I'm only the assistant, so I'm not involved with all of the malt, you know, how recipes are made. Don't sell yourself Um, short. That's still a crucial role, my friend. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely proud of, I handle a lot of the cold side in the brewery. So a lot of the, like, transfers, filtering, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm definitely still learning. And I'm, you know, I am brewing a lot. So it's, you know, every time I mash in, I'm learning what, you know, aromas I'm getting from the mash and like what to expect later on. And, you know, I'm still kind of tweaking my brew process of how, you know, I do it and how I'm trying to match, you know, the quality of our work at the company. So, um, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's essentially just kind of what style we want and break it down piece by piece. What Mm -hmm. hops do we have? What hops can we get? You know, Um, it's a lot of that. And, you know, especially with like post pandemic and everything, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just very hard to schedule, you know? Right. No, I hear you. So like we have like a set brew schedule, but you know, things change all the time. So So are you, are you guys taste testing like quite often? Cause you know, you look at a chef and then they'll take a sip of the, the ravioli before it goes out, you right. know, to make sure it's good. Is that something that you guys you do on the ravi- weekly ravioli? Well, like the soup. Okay. Is ravioli a soup? Well, you could get the juices, the sauce, the runoff. Yeah. The I sauce. Think ravioli is a pasta. Yeah. It's a pasta, but it's, it's got the, ju- it's got pasta. the, it's got the juice. So you're tasting the sauce. I'm, All right. I'm sorry. I'm not super What's great. What's up Julian? On a tell. You know, that's a great pasta. I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. It's just, fantastic <laughs> you've um, just you've you know, brought to light my ignorance sprinkled parmesan goes a long way are you are you but, taste testing on the regular though is that something yes, you do weekly uh, yes that is something i mean we also have 16 tap handles so it's really hard and we have some beers that are like in and out we do taste every beer that comes off like when we first tap it mm-hmm I mean, we do our best to, you know, taste test every single beer. Um, we clean our lines every single week. So it's, I mean, I mean, it's fairly standard. We make sure that the beer that we get out is, you know, what we're intending. Right. Yeah. Definitely. We taste it as before I keg it, before everything. It, yeah, we taste all of it. 
That's awesome, man. Well, I got to say, Julian, it is, it's inspiring to hear you talk about moving from Virginia to Minnesota, halfway across the country with uh, your girlfriend, now, now fiance, talking about your passion of, of not only just craft beer, but just beer in general. Um, it's got to feel cool sitting here today drinking a beer that you actually had a hand in making. Um, I know you might be a little bit biased, but what do you taste with this dope bot and where, where do you rank it? Um, you know, I get a lot of that piney and like resin coming out and you know, it's, it's not a hazy IPA. It's, you know, we say it's an IPA and it is an IPA. It's a filtered, nice bitter mm-hmm. beer. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I don't want to be yeah biased and say five out of five, but I would just definitely, be I would definitely give it at least a four out of five, you know, uh, not knowing about these hops going into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so not knowing what to expect from it and whatnot. Um, but it is a beer that I can have at least two of. It's very drinkable. Um, maybe more so in the right situations. I think that all that plays in a, a huge part of like beer tasting is your environment. Um, but hundred percent. definitely, I, I, I definitely think that this is a, a four star beer um, for sure. Oh, and I, I completely agree. This is like I was saying to you earlier, this is not, I'm not a traditional West coast dank style of beer drinker but this is one of those beers where much like you said i could have two of you know and that i think i'm gonna have to go with uh 3.9 on this one this 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 is a drinkable beer i would order this in the tap room well i think i got a spicy take dustin Uh and maybe julian that might surprise you Uh uh-oh but uh this beer the dope bot Inspired by the uh, Dr. Dre, the Chronic album cover. Um, branding aside, which I'm into. I mean, if, uh, if we included branding, it's a five star. I, and, and that's why it was hard for me to say four, because it was like, oh, it's Dopebot, it's Dr. Dre. Yeah, but if that was included, it's a five star. If I yeah. try to remove the logo out of my mind and just base this off of the juice, this to me is the first five star beer oh, Jesus. that I'm gonna give up. Oh, oh Jesus. Hell yeah. And here's why. Um, I'm glad I didn't start the episode with this because I do think that it is um it would have destroyed my palate. It's it's a palate ripper. You know, uh you know, high life is gonna taste like high life anytime, but if I would have had this before the honey hush colch. I would have still tasted that lingering bitterness of the IPA. And I love that right now because I know this is like my closing beer. Like I'm cool with this being my last beer of the night. And that's why this is, this is a special one to me. It's cool to sit across from you and talk to the man who had a hand in making this touch the beer, but also like, this is what I want from an IPA. It's, it's, it's a little bit different, it's a sidestep. It's a little bit, it's not going down the, the same path as everyone's going. It's taking that right turn when everyone's going left. And, 
I agree. And I'm a little hazied out and to get something that's just a little bit, a little bit higher carbonation, you know, isn't just like milky cloudy. Um, you know, a little higher in ABV, not super high in IBUs. Um, this is a winner for yeah. me. And this is the, this is my favorite beer that I've tried yeah. so far on this show. Yeah, definitely. It, it's super good. And it with, for me personally, compare, comparing the dope bot to a beer that I, I didn't enjoy, which was witch bot. This beer I would drink 10 times out of 10 over Wishbot. I think you guys crushed it on Dopebot. This is phenomenal. That. Yeah, a lot. Thank you guys. Yeah, no, it was kind of our intention to keep it like a classic IPA style, not go hazy with this beer. Yeah. Um, not like we wanted to bring out the hops in this beer, you know, and we made sure that we did that without making too much of like a full body. We didn't want a juice right. bomb. You know, right. we wanted a nice classic IPA. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I like this beer a lot, you know, 7% is, Woo. it's on the high. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's on that yeah. higher classic. Up there. Side, Definitely. But, um, I tr- typically, I would personally go lower, but I think for what it is, you know, it fits, yeah. you know? Also, I don't want to make it sound like I gave you a backhanded compliment by saying I didn't like which bot but also liking dope. Oh, no, I actually appreciate that too. Cause we were just, we were really trying something new with that beer. Yeah. Um, that was a triple, it, right? Uh, it triple dry hopped IPA. Um, mm-hmm. We used German style yeast. You know, we used half yeast for that beer. Um, it was super so, interesting when I saw it. I was like, I have yeah, to try that. Even the people at Ombibulous keep, were like, this is a must try. Yeah. We tried to keep it very different. Like we wanted mm-hmm. to be like, we're going to make a hazy IPA, but we want it to be very German and use mm-hmm. German ingredients. And that's, you know, I mean, when you put it like that, it's, that's what it is. It's an yeah. all German IPA and a hazy IPA. And yeah, no, I, I appreciate your feedback a lot. I really do. Um, yeah. It's Again, definitely a new thing that like, I, it took me a little bit to catch on to. Yeah. And again, this, that, that was my own subjective tastes that might not be for everybody. So, but yeah, right. it was good. Well, Julian, it's been great talking to you today. Uh, very privileged to be able to talk to a brewer. That's a new one for us. So mm-hmm. cross that off the list. But uh, before we let you off the hook today, um, what are you doing when you're not working with beer and where can people find you? Um, well, pandemic, you know, included, I, you know, I'm here with my dog, but, you know, I try to, you know, make it out to some breweries every now and then. Um, it really is just more of a last minute kind of thing. What's a couple of your favorites, if you can give a shout out to? Oh, man, I love Bad Weather. Uh, Bad Weather is classic brewery for me. I go to all the time. I do really like Black Stack. Um, Bad Weather right off of uh, West 7th in St. Paul? Yep. Yep. Nice. That's the one. I think that was the first brewery I attended in Minnesota. I was visiting here um, for a wedding with my now fiance. And it nice. was like, I think my second time visiting Minnesota and the first time to like a Minnesota brewery. So oh, that right place on. always kind of has a special place in my heart too. That's very cool. 
Now, just out of curiosity, is uh, Tin Whiskers open for tours at all? Um, yes and no. I'm not sure of the specifics, but I would be more than happy to have you guys pop in and show you guys around. That would be sweet. I'm down. That's awesome, man. And for anyone listening, feel free to uh, check out tinwhiskers.com. They're a fantastic little brewery located in downtown St. Paul. And uh, yeah, they got a lot of cool stuff on tap. Might have something for you. Um, Guest today, Mr. Julian Pelkey. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure, Julian. Thank you. Yeah, it was good talking to listen to you. All right, man. Well, we will... uh, talk soon hopefully this isn't the last time for sure will not be we're gonna go we're gonna go do a i told you we're gonna go up to omni us three together we're gonna have some beers one two three into the folks snoop doggy dog and dr dre is at the door ready to make an entrance so back on up because you know we're about to rip shit up give me the microphone first so i can bust like a bubble compton and long beach together now you know you in trouble ain't nothing but a g thing baby too low death maker so we're crazy death row is the label that pays man unfatable so please don't try to fake this but uh back to the lecture at hand Perfection is perfected, so I'ma let them understand From a young G's perspective And before me digger the bitch, I have to find a contraceptive You never know, she could be earning her man And learning her man And at the same time, burning her man Now you know I ain't with that shit, Lieutenant Ain't no pussy good enough to get burned while I'm offended And that's realer than real deal, holy feel And now you hookers and hoes know how I feel Well if it's good enough to get broke off a proper chunk I take a small piece of some of that funky stuff It's like this and like that and like this and uh It's like that and like this and like that and uh It's like this and like that and like this and uh Drake creep to the mic like a fan Well I'm peeping and I'm creeping and I'm creeping But I damn near got caught Cause my beeper kept beeping Now it's time for me to make my impression felt So sit back, relax and strap on your seatbelt You've never been on a ride like this before with a producer who can rap and control the maestro At the same time with the dope rhyme that I kick You know and I know I flow some old funky shit To add to my collection, the selection symbolizes dope Take a tote but don't choke If you do, you have no clue Of what me and my homie Snoop Dogg came to do It's, it's like this and like that and like this and uh It's like that and like this and like that and uh It's like this and who gives a fuck about those? So just chill to the next episode What a hell of a gangster lean Getting funky on the mic like an old batch of collard greens It's the capital S-O-S, I'm fresh and double O-P D-O-double-G-Y-D-O-double-G, you see Showing much flex when it's time to wreck a mic Pimping hoes and clocking a grip like my name was Dolomite Yeah, and it don't quit I think they in the mood for some motherfucking G-shit yeah. So Drake, what up, dog? Gotta get them what they want What's that, G? We gotta break them off something Hell yeah And it's gotta be bumping City of Compton Place, so when that show attention Mobbing like a motherfucker but I ain't lynching Dropping the funky shit that's making the sucker niggas mumble When I'm on the mic it's like a cookie they all crumble Try to get close and your ass I get smacked My motherfucking homie doggy dog has got my back Never let me slip cause if I slip then I'm slipping But if I got my Nina then you know I'm straight tripping And I'ma continue to put the rap down, put the Mac down And if your bitches talk shit I have to put the smack down Yeah, and you don't stop I told you 
I'm just like a clock when I tick and I talk. But I'm never off, always on till the break of dawn. See you when PTO in and the city they call Long Beach. Putting the shit together like my nigga DOC. No one can do it better like this, that, and this, and uh. It's like that, and like this, and like that, and uh. It's like this, then who gives a fuck about those? So just chill till the next episode.